Stacey's going to come and bring us our reading this morning. One of the things that we've been doing at All Hallows is we've been looking at a particular book of the Bible and asking us what does it tell us about Jesus. So we've given the congregation a copy of that particular book of the Bible printed so they can make notes inside it so they can remember the things that we've been learning. So we're going to have a reading and the reading is right from the beginning of the book of Colossians. It's right from the start. So those that have been coming the last month we wonder why are we going back to the beginning? We're going back to the beginning because we want to look at one line uh, that we uh, read but we didn't really look at heavily back a, a month ago. So it's right at the very start of the book of Colossians. And we're going to be reading from verses uh, 1 through to 14. So, shall I pray? Father, we thank you for the book that you gave us. <clears throat> and all the stories that have been written down and the words that have been written down have been because people encountered you and they felt that they'd encountered something they wanted to share. So Lord, as we read it, Father, open our ears, open our hearts, open our minds to receive what you want to say to us this morning. Amen. Paul, an, an apostle of Jesus, of Christ Jesus, by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the holy and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae. <coughs> Thanksgiving and prayer. We always thank God, the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all saints. The faith and the love that spring from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you have already heard about in the world of truth, the gospel that has come to you. All over the world, this gospel is bearing fruit <coughs> and growing, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood the God's grace in all of its truth. You learned it from Ephrasus and our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, and who has also told us of your love in the spirit for this reason since the day we heard about you we have not stopped praying for you and asking god to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the spiritual wisdom wisdom and understanding we pray in this order that you may have a life may live in life worthy of the lord and may please him in every way bearing fruit in every good work growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all, all the power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience and feel joyfully giving thanks to the Father, who has qualified to share in, who's qualified, to, to, qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us, for the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption through his blood and his and the forgiveness of sins thank you daisy if you want to keep that passage that written passage in front of you so you can see what i'm reading from uh, that'd be fantastic let's pray father god we thank you for what we've just read some of us would have read it and gone wow some of us have read it and gone what's that about Lord, we pray that you would just make clear to us, in the passage it says, uh, darkness to light. 
Lord, would you uh, turn a light on in our minds this morning as we understand what this passage is trying to say to each of us? Amen. We had a Christmas fair last Saturday, and uh, Becky and I had gone uh, to Costco, and we'd bought this giant bear. Uh, This bear was as big as Becky. I thought it would be funny. I put it in the back of the car with the seatbelt on, looking out the window, so when we drove home, everybody would see this bear in the back of the window, kind of waving at them. Oh, what's going on? We got this bear, and we decided we were going to do name the bear. We were going to charge people to name the bear, and we put the name in an envelope on the bear, so there'd be no sense of, like, nobody saying, oh, you fiddled the name or anything. It was London the bear, and over the day, people pay 50p to name the bear, and at the end of the day, uh, the the bear's name is announced, and a lady called Amy had won it. And Becky sends a little message to Amy going, congratulations, you've won the bear. She says, I'll come next Sunday after your morning service and pick up the bear. So last Sunday morning, I'm stood in the hall during coffee time. This lady walks in. She looks very lost. I'm thinking, this looks like somebody who's probably at the church for the first time. So I just approach her and say, good morning. She says, hello, my name's Amy. Now I'm thinking... Becky texted Amy yesterday saying, pick up the bear at the end of the service. So I'm like, Amy, have you come for the bear? She says, yes. I'm like, brilliant. And Alice then says, what was the bear's name? And I looked at the woman, and she kind of looked at back. I thought, no, I'm not going to put it on the, on, on the spot. She might have bought four or five names. And uh, so the, the bear's called London the Bear. We gave the woman the bear. She was over the moon. If you last Sunday morning saw a woman dancing up and down with a giant bear screaming and squealing with happiness, she took the bear home. She was a happy woman. On Wednesday night, we're in bed. Becky's texting somebody. She says, Chris, uh, tomorrow I need to go and get the bear from church to give to this lady, Amy. No, 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 Bex. Don't worry, I sorted that out on Sunday. I gave the bear to Amy on Sunday. Well, who's this that I'm texting, she said. I'm like, well, I have no idea who you're texting, but I definitely gave it to Amy. Becky's going, she's texting me saying she didn't pick it up. Her child has been in hospital all week. I'm like, well, I I have absolutely no idea who Amy is that I gave the bear to. Becky and I on Friday end up having to get in the car, drive to Costco, and buy buy ourselves a second giant bear to give away to Amy, who is not the Amy from the first Amy. How would you have dealt with that situation? I think about 15 years ago, if that situation had emerged for me, I'd have probably said, well, it's tough. It's, it's, I, 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 we've given it away, the prize has been won. It's Amy Second's fault for not picking it up when Amy first picked it up. So it's her own fault. And we live in a world, don't we, where um, sometimes uh, we get frustrated with other people, we get angry with other people. Uh, it's super easy to get into conflict. It would have been really easy for me to say, Becky, you tell that woman, stop lying. She's obviously lying. You know, I could have been cynical. I could have gone, well, this woman's obviously playing a game. She's already picked it up. And now she's texting us saying she's not. And when we go around with a new bear, it's not, she's going to have somebody else at the door. You, know, you, could, you could start looking at it from a cynical point of view. She just wants two bears. She's obviously got twins. She's desperate to get two giant bears, one for each twin. You, know, you, you can look at it from a very cynical perspective. And that's what I would have done years ago. Uh, at the age of you know, 16, 17, 18, cynical. If somebody got him a dad, do you want to stand up for a second? If I was walking down the school corridor and I saw somebody that wasn't as big as me, I would walk down the corridor and I would just barge into them because it, it, it did, so I'm so sorry, Dan. Uh, I'm not really. Uh, in, in my world, it was dog eat dog. And if I didn't defend me, then uh, somebody would have their way with me. They would try and, and 
you know, have it with me. And so, so you'd end up approaching the world around me as if there was a war on and there was a battle against everybody else and I had to prove myself because there was an order in the world and if you weren't at the top of the pecking order, somebody was going was to go for you. So at the age of 15, 16, 17, that's how I behaved. With a situation like this, I'd have gone, she's a liar. I'd have been cynical. Or I would have said, it's tough. I, I want nothing to do with this woman. We've given away. I bought the bear already. And the thing is that the way the world works at the moment is we behave um, with rules and laws. If you look at me funny, I'm going to look at you funny. What are you looking at me like that for, Vic? Who do you think you are? He's winking at me. I like it. Uh, you, you, you catch some design, they're looking at you strange. Well, how dare you look at me strange? Do you know who I am? We end up very quickly in these conflicts. Last Saturday at the Christmas fair, some guy came in, and uh, this poor guy, somebody had driven into his car outside the church. And one of the members of the church saw it happen. She wrote down the details. She put it on his window. She thought, that'd be really helpful, wouldn't it? He saw the note, and it had slightly got wet in the rain, but he saw church, and he came in. I want to see the person in charge. And uh, it got brought to me, so I carefully went up to this guy, and the guy said, uh, you've driven into my car, I'm going to slash you. I was like, you what? I was like, excuse me, what? I have no idea what you're talking about. Uh, you're, it says to me, like, you're dead me, I'm going to get you for banging into my car. I was like, mate, I'm just running an event. I, I, have, I have absolutely no awareness whatsoever what just happened to your car. And he starts shouting at me in the back corridor with all these children coming into the Christmas fair because he was angry at me because somebody had driven into his car. Total stranger. Jenny, one of our congregation members, saw what was going on. She came over and said, oh, I wrote the note. He turns to her and starts shouting at her, how dare you drive into my car? And then he went, no, 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 I just saw it happen and I got his registration plate and I got it all written down for you. And suddenly he went, oh, I could kiss you. What was, what was going on in this guy in here that he was so angry that he would shout at the local vicar, I'm going to get you? Like, he had no idea who driven this, but suddenly all the anger comes out on me. Because we live in a world at the moment uh, where we aim for conflict to defend ourselves. We live by law. If you've looked at me funny, I'm going to look at you funny. And we just end up with conflicts erupting all over the place. Have you ever been in a queue at a supermarket and somebody's accidentally slipped in thinking you weren't there? And you just feel this anger. How dared they do that to me with their little shopping basket? Where is all of that underneath coming from? And the passage that this, we have this morning is an antidote to all of what's going on inside of us. So just remind us, what is the problem? Well, we live in a very angry world right now. A world where people lie to protect themselves. They're bitter and they're cynical about other human beings. They live in a world where people take things that are not theirs because they think they deserve it. If somebody grieves you, then you act like there's war against them. It becomes conflict. We feel we've got a right to be right. But conflict creates conflict. And an I, you looked at me strange, becomes I'm going to pull your arm off, which suddenly becomes I'm going to pull your head off. The next thing you know, you're threatening to kill somebody for looking at you in a strange way. Things spiral out of control so quick because of something that's inside of us. But then if you've experienced this where you're, maybe you're driving and somebody cuts you up and, and months worth of anger spills out. I don't know about you, but it gets tiring. 
I don't know if you feel tired inside you're having to navigate everybody else's emotions all the time. I feel like sometimes uh, people are ready to explode and I've got to somehow carefully navigate them. And it's exhausting. I get so fed up of trying to work out how everybody else is doing so I can carefully navigate them so I don't have any explosions. The way we deal with this tiredness is we self-medicate on television, we self-medicate on food, we eat too much, we drink too much, we go shopping to try and make ourselves feel better, to ignore how we're actually feeling on the inside. The Bible talks about all of this feeling and this way of behaving. It talks about it as being um, in the dark. And, and when we behave like this, it's because our eyes are fogged and we're just scared. We're in the dark. We can't see what's around us. We feel scared. We feel vulnerable. So we end up wanting to defend ourselves because we're living in the dark. But the passage this morning ends with that beautiful little line where it says, God is lifting you, taking you out of this dominion of darkness, this place of fog, of confusion, of not knowing what's going around you, that feeling of need to defend yourself. It says that God is going to take you out of that dominion of darkness, going to bring you into a place of light where you can see the truth of what's going on around you. And all of that comes from a line, I think, that's right at the very beginning of this book. Paul, whenever he writes to anybody, if you ever want to flick through Paul's letters, he always starts by saying, my name is Paul. I'm the brother of Timothy or Barnabas or this person or that person. And then he has this line in every single one of his writings. And that's why we know it's Paul. And he's, it then says, grace and peace. And sometimes he ends it by saying, from God our Father. And sometimes he says, grace and peace in the name of Jesus and we kind of skip past that line and carry on. I think, that's a, nice, that's a nice little gesture, isn't it, Paul? That's, that's lovely, isn't it? I end every single one of my emails and have done now for about 10 years with grace and peace, Chris. In other words, uh, I end all of my letters with the same phrase that Paul uses. Because this phrase that he uses here, I think, is amazing. And I want us just to explore this phrase. So Paul turns to the Colossians and starts by saying grace and peace. So I want to explore grace, the word grace. I want to explore the word peace and then ask ourselves if this is something that we might need for ourselves because this is Paul's or Jesus's antidote to ourselves. So grace. What is grace? Grace is one of those words that we don't really use very often. It's not a word that we often use uh, when we're at the market or going to the cinema. Uh, why would it come up? It's a, it's a name for many of us. We call a little girl Grace. Uh, we might sing the hymn, Amazing Grace. But what does the word Grace actually mean? What, what does it constitute as? And in the original language, it's this beautiful word, Charis. Can you say the word Charis? Charis. Uh, some words are heavy words, and some words are light words. Some words are refreshing words. This word grace is a light, refreshing word. It's meant to be a word that when you say it, you're breathing out. Grace. You can't say the word grace and inhale in. You say it to inhale. Grace. I don't know if you're on, on, your, on your breath. You might just want to try it just by going, grace. It's a word that's meant to somehow, in the very nature of it, oh, we breathe out whatever is wrapped up inside of us. Now, grace is a word, but it's also a posture. Ben, can I borrow you for a minute? 
You can have different postures towards people, can't you? You can walk up to somebody and say, Ben, I absolutely hate that jumper. You, you can approach them and your posture is just angry. You can have a posture where you're not interested and you kind of lean back a little bit. But the posture of grace is a word that leans in. I love your jumper. Your jumper. Where do you get that jumper from? That is a nice jumper. I wish I had a jumper like that. That is a great jumper. Thank you. I'd love to borrow it. There's some words that come with antagonistic leaning. So some words where you're disinterested. The word grace is a word that leans in. Grace and peace. It's this idea that God is leaning towards humanity and saying grace. It's almost like he's bowing his head before us, saying it's okay. Grace is God's posture towards humanity. We don't deserve love, but he gives love. We don't deserve help, but he gives help. We don't deserve blessings, but he gives blessings. The word grace is almost like God is saying to each and every one of us, take a chill pill. Chill out. Stop rushing around, defending yourself as if everybody else is against you all of the time. Sometimes we have this idea that God is this cosmic headmaster that's got his finger and he's out to point at you and say, you're a sinner, you're wrong, who do you think you are? We've got this idea of God, but yet within the word grace is a God who says, chill. Whatever you think about me, chill. It's probably not true. Probably not true. Grace is a gift that you and I don't deserve. Grace is a gift that God gives to each and every one of us grace. Now the question with a gift is, somebody can try to give you a gift, but you might choose not to open your hands. The gift just falls to the floor. No, leave it. <laughs> You're desperate, aren't you? Some things, people trying to give you, I don't want it, I don't want it. Grace is a gift, and a gift is something you have to receive. Do you want grace in your life, or do you want to live by the alternative, which is law? There are rules, and if you look at me funny, I'm coming for you. If you look at me strange, I'm after you. I was driving down um, Devon's Road the other day, and I get to the roundabout, and I'm using my indicators, and I'm pulling out, and this person um, swings the car on the runabout right in front of me, and I slow down. I could feel this anger inside. And I had this moment, how do I want to live in this moment? Do I want to live by the righteous anger this person's pulled out in front of me? How dare he? Or do I want to live by this posture of grace? Do you know what? It's probably in a hurry. It's probably rushing. His wife's probably having a baby. He's trying to get to the Royal London fast. His mum's probably not very well. Do I choose to receive the gift of grace or do I choose not to receive the gift of grace? Grace is a gift that, let me make very clear, you do not deserve it in any shape or form. You don't look handsome enough, pretty enough. Uh, you're not wearing the right clothes. You're not reading the right Bible. You're definitely not going to the right church. You don't deserve this gift of grace. But that's what makes it a gift is that God chooses to give it to a scruffy looking tracksuit wearing East Londoner and says, 
I love you. This is my gift of grace. God's gift for each and every one of us is gift of grace. We love you, Ian, exactly as you are. If you ever changed, we'd be so upset. But if you could teach Dan how to smarten up a bit, that would be. Grace of God is not an idea, but it's a posture of God towards humanity. How do you see God in your head? It's, it's so easy to make a choice that God does not exist. If God is angry towards us, it's better to believe that God doesn't exist. Because why would we want to believe in an angry God? Maybe if you've rejected God, maybe what you've rejected is a God that needs rejecting. But what we find in this scripture this morning is a God that I don't want to reject. Because it's a God that's saying to me, grace. In all the ways that I'm angry and frustrated, I'm anxious and worried. God whispers to me the gift of grace. Chill. Take a chill pill. It says in uh, John 1, 17, for the law was given to Moses. The rules and regulations were given to a man called Moses. But it then says, grace and truth, that comes through Jesus Christ. Grace and truth is manifest with Jesus on the cross. In all the debt that we owed God, it's manifest with Jesus on the cross. If you want to see what grace looks like, you look at Jesus on the cross. The God of grace. You could say it like this. Religion comes from mankind. Grace, that comes from God himself. We're not here this morning to do a religious thing. We're here to be a part of a grace-filled movement thing. A place where we share the grace of God. Grace is a way of life that, come, that gives people who don't deserve it the benefit of the doubt. There's a great little story in the Gospels uh, of a guy called Barabbas. Barabbas was a swindler. He was a murderer. He was a terrorist. And he's on trial. And he's on trial just on the same day that Jesus is on trial. And we're told in the story that on one side was Jesus, on the other side was Barabbas. And then they had the crowd. And Pilate comes to them and says, crowd, who shall I crucify? I'm going to kill one person today. Which is it going to be? One is going to go free, and one of them is going to be crucified. Jesus, who's done nothing wrong. He's never said anything. He's never looked at anybody strange. He's never put a finger up at anybody when they cut him up in the chariot. He stubbed his toe. He didn't even swear when he stubbed his toe. Then you've got Barabbas, the murderer, the swindler, the terrorist. Who do you want to kill? The crowd in the story starts shouting, crucify him, crucify him. They're pointing at Jesus. And Jesus ends up standing in the place of Barabbas, the murderer. So Barabbas can stand in the place of Jesus. Jesus should have been let free that day. But by the grace of Jesus, he chooses to stand in the place of the murderer, the swindler, and the terrorist to die on a cross so that Barabbas might go free. That's grace. That's grace. We should be on the same pedestal as Barabbas. But the grace of God is that Jesus says, no, I'm going to die for Barabbas so Barabbas might have all of what I have got in life, but he might have life to the full. Jesus is the centerpiece of grace. This is grace. God loves you. There is nothing you can do to earn this love all you can do is accept the gift of grace. So in the passage, it says grace and peace. So grace and peace. Peace 
comes from grace. When you understand that God's posture towards you and I is grace. Chill. Breathe out. Don't get stressed. I've got it all in hand. This posture of grace leads this place to, at least to this place where Ben suddenly can breathe out peace. I'm not on death's row anymore. God is on my side. I don't have to do it on my own. Peace comes when we understand the profoundness of God's grace. Now, peace, the Hebrew word is the word shalom, if you've ever heard that word before, shalom. Uh, again, it's another light word. It's a word that, as you speak it, almost brings life. Shalom. It's a breathe out word rather than a breathing in word. Now, shalom is, the, is not just the absence of conflict. If I say to you, what is peace? You say, well, peace is when there isn't war. But actually, that isn't what peace is from a biblical perspective. Peace is not just the absence of war, it's the presence of something new that in itself is not just bringing no war and no conflict, but a wholeness of life, a richness of life, a celebration of life. It's something else extra rather than just the absence of. Peace isn't the absence of war, but it's the presence of grace. Peace is where grace is manifest where human beings realize they no longer have to strive to keep up with the Joneses because God's grace is sufficient for me. And we realize God's peace is filling us. Peace is choosing not to see someone else's actions as war, but as a person needing love. It's a moment where we choose to give somebody else a chance. We choose to understand somebody else's position or place. And peace interrupts the spiral of conflict, anger, and war. If you're in that moment where you feel like inside you are spiraling out of control, you're getting angry and angry. If you're a mum or dad, and from the moment you start, and it's, you wake up at 6 o'clock, 5 o'clock, and by 9 o'clock you've already had enough, you're tearing your hair out, and things are spiraling out of control, and it's gone from somebody's lost the remote control to the television, now there's flour all over the floor, and now the window's broken, you can feel it spiraling out of control. Peace interrupts that and create a new place, a place where you can breathe out and say, I don't need to allow what's going on around me to direct the anxiety inside of me. I can choose to live at peace, even though around me is spiraling out of control. I think there's three places in life that we need peace. One is with ourselves. How many of us are angry with ourselves for decisions that we once made? We're angry with ourselves for things that we did that we knew we never really wanted to do. Some of us look at ourselves in the mirror and we hate what we see. Some of us just need to know the peace of God in how we feel about ourselves. We also need peace with one another and our community. Over the summer, we just saw things with our teenagers in the neighborhood spiraling out of control as uh, little fights became bigger fights, became stabbing, and you see things spiraling. We want peace with ourselves, but we also want peace within our neighborhoods, within the lives of those that we live with. And the third place we want to find peace is peace with God. We want to know that we're in a good stead with God, that actually our relationship with God is okay, that he's on our side, he's got our back. 
Peace isn't something that we get, but it's a choice that we make to trust, ultimately, that God is in control. If you want to choose that you're in control of your life, it will always end up with you fighting for yourself. Dog eat dog, defend yourself. If you think you are the God of your world, it will always end up with you trying to dominate the world around you. If you're able to get to this place where you can say, I'm done. I can't fight this fight like this. If we choose to say, God, I want you to be in control. It's in that place we will ultimately find peace within ourselves as we know that we cannot, we cannot create uh, peace ourselves. Can I get you to close your eyes for a moment? I'm just going to read a few little statements. And I want you to just imagine these statements that I'm reading. And then when I say grace and peace, I want you just to breathe out. Just let out, breathe out what's inside of you right now. So when we behave as if we're at war with the world, we're angry, we're fighting against everything, in this moment, would you receive God's grace, God's peace? When we're tired, bent under the pressure of debt, worry, stress, in this moment, receive God's grace and peace. If you're always looking at yourself, thinking everybody else is better, faster, cleverer, more creative, more able, in this moment, receive God's grace and peace. You've had bad news about your health. In this moment, receive God's grace and peace. When we hate others and we're bitter towards them, receive God's grace, God's peace. If you feel like everybody around you seems to misunderstand you, in this moment, receive God's grace and God's peace. If you think you have to fight to defend yourself because others are against you, receive God's grace and God's peace. May you know the grace of God that always leads to the peace of God. Grace leads to a deep peace within ourselves, and this deep peace always leads us to grace. What we receive, we are given so that we would give away. Uh, Paul uses this phrase, grace and peace. Why? Because God's given him grace and peace. Dare you be someone who not only receives God's grace and peace, but shares God's grace and peace. Dare you have a posture to the world around you <clears throat> that chooses not to say, I'm at conflict with everyone, but chooses to say, I'm not going to let everyone live rent-free in my brain any longer. I'm just going to live by grace and peace. I'm going to choose to be somebody that creates peace and makes space for peace rather than somebody that creates war. At the end of the passage, it says this, Paul is giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified or, or made eligible. God has made eligible to you a share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. 
For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us to the kingdom of Jesus he loves, in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. When we live in this place of war, we live in a place of darkness. We live in a place where it's defend yourself, defend yourself, defend yourself. But if we receive Jesus, the grace and peace that God has for us, then we move to this place where we're living in light. The light is switched on. We see everyone around us for what they really are. They're not demons. Nobody around you is a demon. They're just scared boys and girls trying to look after themselves in a world that is very scary. And when you have somebody in the workplace that you think is just a horrendous person, they're not. They're just a scared boy or girl trying to make it in a world that is very confusing. And if you can move to a place where the lights come on and you see people for who they are, in that moment you realize you are filled with grace, with peace. So I, I end every single one of my emails with this phrase, grace and peace, because I want to say to whoever I'm emailing, whatever I've said in the email, whatever I've put my foot in, whatever I've said that is actually offensive and it doesn't mean to be offensive, grace and peace. I hope that you and I can live in a world where we look to each other and not demonize each other, but say, I choose to look at you with grace and peace, with grace and peace. It's a posture that we choose to have to the world around us. Good news, we've all failed. Good news is none of us have got what it takes, but God has grace and peace for us. Will you choose to keep defending and fighting? Will you join the Jesus movement as grace and peace make us? Amen. We're going to stand and sing uh, Amazing Grace, which is a modern version of the old hymn. So don't just listen to the old hymn.